Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good, good friend, Mr. J.W. Crewall. <laughs> J.W., how's it going today? It's going all right, man. Yeah, feeling okay. How about yourself? You had a birthday this week. That's right, man. One yeah. foot in the grave, one foot at the tables playing Pokemon cards. <laughs> and that's how you, we like to do it. I was going to say, it was a literal event on your birthday weekend. Yeah. And fortunately, didn't win, but I gave it my best effort. So that's all and you we'll, do. we'll talk plenty about that. But yeah. uh, did you at least get a nice meal or what what'd you do well, i actually you, had or did two, you have celebrate when you came back or what? i had two fun experiences over the weekend that were not related to pokemon cards as you should when you go to oh. some place that isn't your home well salt lake city is beautiful i salt was lake just city is there beautiful. Yeah. i was just there for the first time um at the beginning of september inconvenient timing it was awesome <laughs> yeah true so yeah on friday Andrew and I got lunch or got dinner rather with a friend of mine, uh, a longtime internet friend of mine. Uh, to give you a sense of perspective here, I turned 27 this past weekend, and I met this internet friend and have yet to see them in person. I met them when I was 11 years old, so greater than half of my life, 16 years now, I've been talking to this group. Yeah, do a little. Ooh, like a little hoots and hollers. <laughs> uh, so that was really cool. I got to see someone I, I've been talking to and friends with for over half of my life in person for the first time. We got awesome dinner. We got a seven course, like wine tasting pairing dinner. That I, treated, I treated everyone who came with me to that. And that was what really the fun. Heck? Uh, so shout out to Jacob, my awesome friend. Shout out to Andrew for, for coming along with us. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And then on Sunday, my actual birthday, uh, we went out. Andrew and I, after the we finished day two, just went out and got some really nice brunch at a, another really nice restaurant. And it was delicious and nutritious, dare I say. Dang, that sounds heavenly. It was awesome. Yeah, so it was a really good weekend. Uh, Pokemon, of course, being a part of it, but I had a lot of fun with just my overall experience there. Also, Salt Lake City has a light rail, which every single city in the country should have i agree yeah it's a nice system over there that is really freaking nice and you got the mountains awesome place i will definitely want to go back to future salt lake city regionals i mean you could see why brigham young was so fond of the place <laughs> you can you did can. you know i i got really into the, lore. the mormon culture and the mormon lore uh -huh. and history when i was there did you know that brigham young founded not only Brigham Young University, but also Utah, the University of Utah. I did not know that. He founded both of them, isn't that Well, he founded, like, I don't know, whatever, the colleges that eventually became those two universities. I, th I thought that was crazy. That is that is crazy. Well, you can't settle for one? <laughs> I mean, he was not a man to settle for one in, no. in many things. <laughs> Jeez, man. <laughs> but, yeah, I had a lot of fun. Salt Lake City is a beautiful place wonderful and kind people the only bizarre thing that was going on that weekend on like saturday i think there was some kind of ar like phone game experience that was going on or something on saturday because oh. there was a ton of people dressed up in like alice in wonderland themed characters Poggers? and like walking around like on their phones solving puzzles and stuff it was crazy it's like Thank goodness. It was, it was almost like the Plexus convention. Like, thank goodness <laughs> I'm not the weirdest guy here. <laughs> and they're looking right back at you saying the same thing. The same thing, thing. yes. <laughs> exactly. The irony. So, awesome experience, though. Really glad I went to Salt Lake City. Um, and shout out to everyone who made that experience special. How about you, JW? What did you do to celebrate my birthday? Well, I rooted yawn. And, you, um, should, you know, you, you did not reward my <laughs> Very devotion. Very nearly rewarded. But you not, did not reward my devotion. But did not, no. I mean, you're slipping a little bit, to be honest. My finishes have only gotten worse. Yeah. <laughs> in the <this> last <laughs> six months. So I'm a little disappointed in you. <laughs> but 
what did I do this weekend? Oh, yeah. I We got the kids this weekend. So we're doing, I think I talked about this last week. We were did, doing a little yeah. foster. A little, it's not really fostering, but I, just for the sake of ease of explaining, we're doing some fostering <laughs> with some kids. So this has been our first uh, week. We got them on Sunday, and we're keeping them for another month and a week or so. So another five weeks. Um, and they're crazy, two and three years old. And they have big hearts, but they have big feels as well. So it's a lot of, a lot of struggling with them. But uh, overall, good. Uh, they they don't sleep very well either. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's another piece of the puzzle. So I've been. And like, you know what? I hate these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been pounding energy drinks. That's for sure. So. Well, that's that sounds like an awesome, really fulfilling experience as well. So. Yeah, you know, shout out to you for doing a really cool thing for your community. Yeah, totally, totally. It's uh, much needed. So, but enough about us. Let's talk about some poke, shall we? Had a big weekend for you, Riley. So, um, I'm gonna welcome on to the podcast a top 32 finisher from the Salt Lake City Regionals, Riley Hulbert. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, Andrew and I both got top 32 with a, a run back of the Mew list. We made two or three card changes, uh, took out the Drapion because we expected less mirrors. We added a lost vacuum instead of the hyper potion as more stadium bumps. And then we swapped over to two path, or sorry, two Lost City, one Pokestop over the inverse that we had played prior. Um, oh, and we also played an Avery. And all the changes were, were really, really good. The list felt awesome. Um, Andrew and I both felt like we were pretty solidly in there the whole time. Andrew and I had actually identical records for almost the entire tournament. There were mm-hmm. a handful of rounds that we were playing at, at a different record. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's actually kind of a miracle we didn't play each other. Right. Then I would have had to beat Andrew down to a pulp, which would have been sad. It would have just. It would have been vibes. really bad for his morale, too. It would have been, yeah, bad vibes all around when that happens, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, But, yeah, we, we both had really solid runs, both of us finishing at 10-4-1, and one, and we both would have made it. If we had one more win, our resistance would have been good enough. So, you know, so there's obviously the what-could-have-been element to that. Yeah. But I think we can, we can walk away proud with a top 32 finish. I'm certainly, I'm not necessarily trying to override a top 32 on the best finish limit of six. Yeah, that's a nice, that's a nice finish. So, yeah, super happy with how things went. The meta was pretty much exactly what we predicted, both on the show and in the hotel room the night before, with Giratina blowing up big time at mm-hmm. this tournament. You know, all of the Lost Zone energy really was focused in Giratina at this tournament, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Giratina was actually one of the matchups we felt the worst about but we felt like the meta was wide enough that we could get away playing Mew. And that also ended right. up being true, right. where there was just so many different decks. And and, and if you was... could squeak by like a Giratina or two, then... Yeah, exactly. You know. And that's basically what, exactly what happened. So two of my four losses were to Giratina, and then I beat another Giratina, which is kind of like what I would expect if I were to play three Giratinas, is to win like one and a half or one of them <laughs> kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of what I expected... My other losses were to Cal Connor playing a very similar Palkia list with the Drapion, which was really, really challenging to deal with. And um, and my final loss was to... Um, what was it? Oh, it was to the second place finisher who had two Drapion in his Arceus <laughs> Pikachu list. And that, that gave me heartburn, man. That was really stressful. <laughs> it was so funny because you tweeted about two Drapion. I know, I know. I, I was my own undoing, yeah. and the craziest thing, and he was a really nice guy, really awesome to play against, <laughs> but he accidentally pathed his Drapion <laughs> before he tackled it in the first game, and right before he had like finished his turn, he realized what had happened and <laughs> had to research for a Pumpkaboo to get rid of the... <laughs> <laughs> and I actually would have won that game if I, if I was able to just kill the Drapion that was in the active. But, you know, things happen. I would expect to lose to a deck with double Drapion, so I'm not mad about losing to the deck with double Drapion. Yeah. And realistically, yeah. the top eight 
was pretty brutal from you, to be honest. Like, I feel, I'd feel good against the Palkias. I'd feel mid against the Giratina. And I'd feel bad against the Regis. Right, um, right. And then I'd feel pretty decent, I think, against Hale's deck. Yeah, so what, what were you hoping to face on the day? I mean, obviously, you know, we've kind of talked about this, but just, you know, as you're going through the tournament, you're kind of, like, seeing what was doing well. What were you hoping to face on kind of a round-by-round -round basis, Open Salt Lake? I think Mew felt really good against kind of the miscellaneous categories. So like any random deck you may come across, you know, think your Duraludon type of decks, think your Blissey decks, your Stall, mm -hmm. things like that. Mew yeah. is really good against, against depressing the miscellaneous category. And then Mew's also felt really good against Palkia that didn't play Drapion. I have an incredibly positive record against Palkia with the Mew deck over these last few tournaments. Something like like 10 and 2 or something like that in Palkia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so very favored, it feels like, against Palkia, even if you go second. And um, just generally good against Arceus decks as well. Um, and then, you know, again, like the miscellaneous decks, because this was a, such a wide meta, even if we felt like the Drapion matchup, or sorry, the Giratina-Drapion matchup wasn't the best, there was enough things that we were positive against. Also, with the two Lost City, we felt like we had good matchups against, you know, suboptimally built Regilus, for example. And I did end mm -hmm. up beating a Reggie in day one, 2-0, by just Lost Zoning two Reggie Gigas before they were able to attack. Yeah. Um, you know, so Mew felt really, really good. It felt like it had a lot of 50-50s as well. And, yeah. Or at least pretty close matchups. Yeah. And that's something yeah. that we valued a lot going into a, a wide metagame like this, is we'd rather just play... 50-50s and either win the coin flip or, you know, kind of outpace your opponent. Then or potentially or potentially outplay, right? If you're, like, no, going to no, at exactly. least get your stuff out. You yeah, know, like, with your the combination going. of, like, Marnies and, yeah. uh, and double cross switchers and Avery cross switcher, you know, you can do a lot of really tricky stuff to your opponent. And when it came down to it and the night was before us uh, and we were sitting in the hotel room playing on the ironing board and testing we were really just at the point where we kind of knew we were going to play Mew. We briefly considered Zark, but we thought Mew was just a little trickier of a deck. Um, and that's what we valued a lot. We valued playing Marnie. We valued the Roxanne path combo that Mew can execute. We valued the consistency that Mew has, which is probably king amongst all the decks right now, is Mew's consistency just reigns supreme. Um, and it felt like it had a chance against pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. So that combination of stuff, I mean, makes it maybe sound like an amazing call for any tournament. Um, certainly we did not expect, for example, Reggie to be as represented as it was at the top tables. We definitely expected some Reggie, but it was very overpopulated at the top tables, I would say. Yeah. Um, and but, I definitely did not expect to hit double Drapion in my... But Reggie's, Reggie's <laughs> a good matchup, though, is the thing, right? Like If they're not playing the three Gigas. I, I, I had a... An undefeated record in the three regs that I played the tournament prior. No, I, I hear you. I still don't with think only it's the a, one loss. I still don't think it's like a great matchup, but I do think the double velocity helps a lot, yeah. uh, and like making that effective. So, and they, we did have the Avery now to do like velocity Avery yes. horn type of yes. plays, yes. which is yes. really brutal. It's <laughs> a lot of things you need to hit that next turn to deal with that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you know, overall, Mew felt like a, a solid choice. I don't regret picking it at all, and really, it was just one win away from that top eight, which could have come from anywhere in the day. Yeah, definitely. Dang, that's such a such a rough beat. I know we're we've been having very consistently good placements in the group in the testing group, but no kind of spike. Yeah, right? I mean, I did You're, have a top eight, but well, that but, was. Not this year, not this season. I mean, it was like two regionals ago for me. So. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand. I'm, I'm more speaking to like this, this season. season. You know, sure. Where... I mean, we've been to two tournaments. I guess no, we didn't really bring up Forest of Baltimore. Well, I wasn't there, so. Yeah, well, neither was I, nor, nor <laughs> many of the people in our group. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We did bring a lot of people to Baltimore. Yeah. So, yeah, I would, I would say like, as a whole, as a collective, I'm pretty satisfied with how the group is doing, but I would love to see like a little bit deeper of a push 
um, in some yeah, of these yeah, tournaments. Yeah, those, those top 8s. We're, we're not shooting for the top 16s. We're shooting for the top 4s. We want the medals. We I want, want the, the hardware. That's what, I I, that's yes. what I'm telling everyone. Yes. I want the hardware. I want something to yes. bring home. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I want my suitcase to be point one pound lighter. Lighter? Heavier. <laughs> you want it to be lighter? Like you lost <laughs> something? <laughs> like, I guess, man, but <laughs> that ain't me, though. Sad. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I, I want to... I will say, at this like juncture in my career, I'm very happy with the consistency that I'm putting out, like consistently mm. making those day twos, consistently having deep runs even in day two, with yeah. all the regionals that I've been to in the last year. Um, but I want to get that last final push to be like, oh, this is the guy who's in top eight at every tournament type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to do that, right? I mean, obviously, even even to day two consistently it's tough. Is, yeah. is hard, right? And then to and then to be in the running for, for money is hard. And then to be in the running for top eight is hard. You know, it, like, it gets obviously increasingly more difficult. But I think something that a lot of people don't, think about and and i always come to this realization or i came to this realization when i was taking auditions for uh, bassoon is that you're not really competing against the field you're not competing against the 800 people you're not competing against the thousand people that show up for a tournament you're really competing against the 50 to 100 players that you know play well enough over the course of the day and pick a good deck um you're you're not you're not playing against the vast majority. You know you're 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 playing against the top players, uh, and that always was a little bit of comfort, right? Because you're thinking, well, uh, you know, how can I be the best out of a thousand people? Well, uh, you know, maybe maybe shrink that pool down because realistically, I, I think there are only a handful. You know, a few I think dozen that's true people to an extent, that can but win the difference the is you could die in pools, so to speak, in Pokemon. And what I mean by that is that like if you're not prepped sure. for the field. It, let's say sure. I played some deck that had like a hundred zero matchup against Reggie, but you know, a 30, 70 versus everything else in the field. Yeah. I would have a great time if I made it to top eight, but I would probably not get there because I would lose to all the random stuff I would play before I hit Reggie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a, a li- there's certainly like some of the field. And one thing that we commented on as a group in Salt Lake city is I feel like the level of play of the layman has significantly increased in the Pokemon trading card game in a post-COVID era. And I think Mm -hmm. that's because largely of the online scene that's cultivated is people have a lot more access quickly to really high-quality lists through these tournaments. Mm -hmm. And they're getting a lot more play experience as well, whereas before people didn't really appreciate TCGO for how effective of a tool it could be. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I don't know that I've necessarily noticed that, but I mean, you've, you've been to more tournaments, uh, you know, on the whole in the last year than I have. So I would say as a minimum, like the quality of the lists I see in the list. I I do agree. List quality and list homogeny has been increased, right? Like, like I can, I can more accurately predict what people are going to play in their lists because of the online scene. Yes. I will agree with that. And, um, and so I think I think that's the biggest thing, and also just the fact that the meta evolves so rapidly because of the yeah. online space. Like meta games get solved much quicker, and we commented on this in the last episode too. Yeah, I, I'll say that's a bit of an L though, because you go from you go from these open deck lists in the online format to you know a closed deck list in real life play. And I think there is a huge element of surprise that um, you know I. The, the longer that I play, the more I realize, okay, that's that can be a significant part of winning or losing and doing well at a no, tournament. No, I mean, I, mean, I agree. Not, 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 not that it's everything, and, and not that I, like, will only choose a deck because it's spicy, but just saying that, you know, if you have curveballs that you can throw at your opponent because they don't know your exact list, you know, functionally, if you have a list that's a little spicy versus a list that's, you know, blasé, you know, go with the one that has a little spice because... You never know when that could get you a win. No, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think more so like metagames in general are getting solved. Yeah. Just so fast now that lists are getting, you know, so optimized and like the counters are getting discovered earlier. Yeah. Um, which, you know, reduces, you know, you can't show up anymore to a tournament, especially after like the first regional in a metagame. You definitely can't do this. You can no longer show up to a tournament and be like that 
three steps ahead of the entire metagame. You're like really cl- trying to clock in like one or two steps max. If yeah, that makes sense. Right. No, totally. And I think a lot of that, yeah, is like you're talking about list optimization. So like making the counts, you know, counts are just better earlier on the whole for a lot of these decks. Um, engines are a lot better on the whole for a lot of these decks. Um, and so, yeah, that that makes it, you know, sometimes you can gain an advantage like as a deck builder in these new formats where you're like, well, you know, maybe I don't have, you know, the archetype necessarily, but I have maybe a more consistent deck than my opponent just because I built it in such a way because, yeah. you know, I'm a better deck totally. builder. But now all of a sudden, everyone can copy all the good deck builders <laughs> online. And so you're losing a bit of that advantage. Absolutely. But enough about all of that. Let's talk about how Salt Lake City ultimately ended up. And it's interesting yeah. because there was so much Reggie in the top eight, yeah. but that really did not pan out for them much at all. It The tournament ended with an Arceus Mirror in the finals, an Arceus I mean, Kudra it, yeah. versus Pikachu. Yeah, and that's interesting, right? Because um, Reggie was the play. Yeah. In, in my opinion, right? Like Reggie was the play. And not, not to take anything away from Hale, no, I, no disrespect, because like obviously the right the right call for the for the situation, but that was kind of it, right? Like he he was a beneficiary of the Reggie's just doing so well. I mean, we had Reggie four through seven. I don't remember a time that a deck has been that dominant at those top tables, um, and maybe maybe there has been, and I'm just forgetting it. You know, maybe like Palkia or something recently, um, but clearly Reggie was the play and Hale. Uh, you know, great job to understand that that's going to be one of the major forces in the metagame and, and coming with a perfect deck to counter it. Yeah, I mean, I've I've said for a while how I think Gudra's super good against decks like Reggie because it just mm-hmm. completely oppresses them. Yep. Um, and, and Reggie was the play, ultimately. You know, Reggie was clocking in, like, what, 5% of the metagame or less? And then at the top tables, it was representing... Every table had a Reggie at it, you know, by the end of the tournament. It was crazy. It it honestly was. So it's yeah. hard to deny that Reggie was the play at this tournament yeah, because I'm looking, of what they put out. Right. I'm looking at the Trainer Hill meta breakdown. 49 players played Reggie in day one. 12 of those players made day two. That's a 25% conversion rate. That is just absurd. Yeah. And you also got to think about you know, a lot of those 49 players may be people who are playing like very suboptimal Reggie's or playing suboptimally because they just like the funny Reggie deck. <laughs> sure. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It was under, um, I would say it was underrepresented, um, but it had major conversion. And that's kind of where you want to be because if you're overrepresented, you know, uh, uh, in especially in a tournament prior, uh, then, you know, you might get more, you know, countered against, I guess, like us with the, with the Mew list. You know, you guys decided to play the second Lost City and the Avery. So in a way, you had uh, a much better Reggie matchup. But, you know, it wasn't really on the radar, so to speak. It wasn't a particularly overly played deck, even yeah. though it did solidly in uh, in Peoria. Yeah, I think it just had that kind of reputation hanging over it of the inconsistent, funny Reggie deck. And, you know, the folks who are consistent with it and stayed true ultimately found the success that they were looking for with reggie so you know props to azul and grant and and caleb and and drew for sticking with it and ultimately finding that payout but of course huge props to hale for recognizing that space in the metagame for gudra to slide in there and gudra really does have a lot of a lot of good matchups that that it goes for you know it has palkia is pretty favorable other arceus decks are very favorable giratina if you can get a parasol to stick is very favorable and Reggie, of course, being very favorable. So it makes sense how Hale could have carved a path to get there. Um, certainly, there are counters to Gudra. I mean, for example, his deck had pretty much no out. It actually had zero outs to a mill tank, right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I was going to say, mill tank is a big problem. Really, any deck that can one-shot, you know, we, and we've talked about this on Giron the cast before. Be yeah, Giratina could be a problem. Uh, Zorar could be a problem. You have things like, you know, Kiram, which is a very popular deck in both tournaments, both Peoria and uh, in Salt Lake City. So, you know, if you can dodge those bad matchups, which, you know, clearly he was able to do for long enough to reach the Reggies in 
top eight and the the more favorable matchups in that uh, you know the, the the final push you know end of day two rounds and, and into top eight so and I think it harkens back to things that we've said before as well right where sometimes you have to play a little bit of a risky game to have these deep tournament runs. Mm-hmm. You know, Gutra yep. could have yep. died in pools. It could have played Blissies and Duraludons and all sorts of stuff that just would have made its life miserable. Yep. But instead, it hit the right matchups and got far enough into the tournament where it was able to close the deal because now right. the field was set up for it perfectly. Right, exactly, exactly. And I, and I always think like, like that to go bring this a little bit full circle. It's like, you're not necessarily playing against the field. Like you're playing against the best you're metagaming against the better players, you know, and if, if you think that the better players are more likely to pick a deck like Reggie, if you think the better players are more likely to pick a deck like Palky and Teleon, then generally that, you know, if you're thinking about the metagame, those might be better decks to be more prepared for if you think that the better players are going to be playing those. And so, um, again, a lot At of least props. If your goal is to win a tournament. Right. right, right. And I think there is a little bit of, um, you know, there is a little bit of risk there. Like we said, Absolutely zero out to Miltank. Not a huge deal, but I played you two just decks countered. That played Miltank within the yeah, first yeah. You rounds. just get countered by one card, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, really hard time against these one-shot decks, which, while not everywhere, certainly still see play. So, um, you know, you got to get lucky. You got to be good. You got to build a good deck, and uh, and it was quite a quite a special finish for Hale. Yeah, huge props to Hale. He certainly has deserved a regional under his belt, so it's awesome to see him pick that up. I do think he, I do think he has a regional win. He deserves a more modern regional win. Then. Oh, I okay, okay. So are you like which are you discounting regionals from? Uh, you know, prior to yeah, and anything, <laughs> anything around the time that you won a regional and and before <laughs> and before probably doesn't count. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm getting the my regional wins are are in question. <laughs> they're definitely they're definitely, they're definitely a little sussy. Sus. A little sus, yeah, yeah. Well, players didn't have good lists then. That was the thing. That that was the thing, man. They yeah. didn't have they didn't have played out limitless. <laughs> 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 awesome so huge props to Hale. huge props to everyone who made top eight made some awesome meta calls going into this tournament and i'm looking forward to seeing what's to come in in lily yes yes any any bold predictions i, I don't know how much farther the metagame can really be taken honestly but if i know anything about europeans is that they're going to play some funny little stall deck or wacky <laughs> like wacky <laughs> deck that just makes your opponent miserable type of thing so what what is that deck? I mean, is it is it like Durant? Is it some more Peko? I don't know, man. It it I could see like a like a stall more Peko mill tank, you know, annoying guys kind of deck yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mill tank seems fairly strong, yeah. right? I mean, it it counters completely the uh, winning deck from this last. <laughs> you region. don't hate to see. Um, yeah, we don't hate to see that at all. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll have to wait and see where the metagame goes from here. Let's quickly jump over then to our card of the day. And we'll shout see. out as well to, to Nick in the chat here. I met him in, in Salt Lake City. He was an awesome opponent. Um, so for this week, JW, I got a Pokedex entry for you. Are you ready? You feeling I... smart? Yeah, hold on. Let me just... Uh... Get my Google search engine up. Here <laughs> okay, yeah. Quick. If you could pull up the Google and then type yeah. it in as I yeah. as I say yeah, it. Yeah, just please good. please go slowly and spell every word. Thanks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it spreads its petals to absorb sunlight. That's spelled S-U-N-L-I-G-H-T. Okay, thank you. It also floats in the air to get closer to the sun. Petals and floating. Um, is it? Uh, is it like? I, I feel Chirubi? like you're thinking. Oh, oh, that's is it Cherum? No, it hurts how wrong you are. <laughs> <laughs> the Pokemon being featured today is Skip Bloom. That's no. Skip Bloom. Uh, my yeah. other guess, I well, my initial guess was going to be Sunflora, and then oh, that's also so wrong. <laughs> well, because it just yeah, because it has feet, it doesn't fly. <laughs> yeah, Sunflora don't be fly. Uh, Goodness, if I saw a sunflower flying around, I'd be freaked out for sure. Holy burst. Yeah, that would have been insane. So, the card of the day for today 
is Skip Bloom from the Lost Thunder set. Uh, and it's got a very lame attack, tackle for 30, one grass, but it has a really cool ability where once during your turn, you may search your deck for a jump bluff and then put Skip Bloom into the Lost Zone as well as any cards that are attached to it and then swap it with a jump bluff. So this was a key component of the Lost March deck in the Lost Thunder era where you would Lost Zone the Skip Blooms to build up massive damage for your jump bluffs to one-shot GX Pokemon. But I chose this card because of how efficient of a Lost Zone engine this is. Can you imagine <laughs> how these Lost Zone decks could ramp if they had access to a Skip Bloom line? Oh my gosh. You know, so like true. turn two, 10 cards in the zone would be ridiculously easy. I, it's it is interesting that you say that though cuz there is like a there's a banet line that can kind of do a similar thing. It's true but the banet doesn't have lost marsh coming at you. Well, that's that's true you could could be doing some insane da- oh, I, oh, I see what you're saying to do the damage output. Yes. Yes, 200 for one energy would be quite good. 200 plus for one energy would be yeah, so I mean, you'd get to the 10 for your Giratinas and all that stuff, plus you'd have a Jump Bluff attacker. <laughs> like, this whole line would be insane in this metagame. Yeah, um, agreed. So, Skip Bloom's a really cool card, though. I, I always like it when the not final form of a Pokemon can do something interesting, um, especially the middle forms. You know, if the basic can do something, that's one thing, but if the middle guy ooh, is yeah. cool, now that's powerful. So yeah, ooh, shout out to Skiploo. Love a good middle guy. <laughs> we do love a good middle guy. We, we stand a good middle guy here. <laughs> so true, so true. So shout out to Skiploo, and shout out to the Lost Zone. And now I think there's somebody else we need to, we need to shout out. <laughs> I think you're right, man. And that is going to be, of course, the sponsor for the Tag Team Podcast in Manscaped. Manscaped is the premier grooming product for men everywhere. And let me tell you, on my birthday, I sure as heck was wearing my Manscaped boxers. For your seven-course wine pairing. (laughs) You've got to have the Manscaped (laughs) strapped in when you got your seven-course wine pairing coming up. Because you want to be feeling comfy and fresh as that sixth, seventh course comes in. Your belly's getting nice and full. But you know, Manscaped's there to support you no matter what. Yeah, we do talk a lot about being fresh and being ready at tournaments. And uh, it could be really nice to go back to the hotel room during the lunch break and maybe even take a shower, get all freshened up, put on that deodorant. I haven't had it fail me once. So if you want to go and get some Manscaped product of your own, and I would recommend it, head on over to manscaped.com. Use promo code TAGTEAM for 20% off plus free shipping at checkout. That's manscaped.com. Code TAGTEAM, 20% off plus free shipping. Manscaped products are seriously awesome, and JW and I can both attest to their excellence. So why don't you go check them out and use code TAGTEAM at checkout to meet all of your men's grooming needs. Thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring the cast. All right. So as we look at the latter portion of the cast today, there's been, of course, some drama in the Pokemon scene. Can't go a week without it, right? I'm sick of it, man. Can't go a week without it. And But this is kind of interesting. We don't love to cover like every single little bit of drama on the show. But I think this is interesting because there's some potential conversation to come out of this. And so for the uninformed Nick Moffat, who actually just got top four this past weekend with Giratina, uh, came forward and let the community know that, hey, a couple years ago, uh, I was playing a Zorak Golisopod deck and played 61 cards intentionally so I could fit in my tech card without having to cut into any of my other card choices in the deck. So, of course, that is cheating. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That is intentionally breaking the rules with the intent to gain an advantage. And there's been a lot of discussion since then about what that should or could mean. Um, you know, so in some folks' eyes, Nick is is now needing retribution of some sort, should be punished for an indeterminate amount of time, you know, maybe a, a year, maybe longer, maybe shorter. 
And then other people are more in the camp like, hey, Nick has done the right thing coming forward. He is clearly trying to exhibit growth. And we should appreciate the fact that he's bringing attention to the fact that he this happened at all and that this could happen to someone else. And then Nick Moffat comes in and also says, oh, I was actually staying up all night before Salt Lake City contemplating playing a 61st card again, which is like not really yeah. what you want to contribute to the zeitgeist here. I would really maybe leave that one in the... Yeah, that, that one that one's a little suspect for sure, for sure. <laughs> but JW, I'm curious, what are your thoughts about not only this this individual case, but what should we what should our approach be when cheating is unveiled in the community? Should they receive the divine retribution from Pokemon and be extricated, or do they deserve that opportunity to demonstrate growth in the short term? it's really tough right because you're looking at a situation where you have somebody that is self-reporting um an event that has no record of of you know there's no there's no record by um the tournament organizer that this happened right so so a self-report that has no evidence necessarily other than the person saying that it happened right um and it, it's just like it's it's a really like weird it the only reason that we're talking about this is because it's so unusual right <laughs> this has never really happened before we don't really have um players coming out and saying you know i'm sorry for cheating in the past right and so we're in this very it's just kind of it's it's gnarly you know it's a gnarly situation so i can't really say necessarily what should or shouldn't happen but i do you know, I, I think if we're going to say, um, you know, other players who, you know, even this season, like, have, have cheated, like, maybe should have a harsher punishment, I think that if someone has cheated in the past and is admitting it, then I think there should be some kind of punishment levied. Now, I think the severity is, of course, going to be debated, and, you know, there might not be a solution that appeases anyone or everyone or whatever. Um, but I, I do feel like, I, th- I think it's very, a very consistent take to say whether there was intentional cheating at a tournament and it was caught or whether there was intentional cheating at a tournament that, you know, was self-reported. I think there should be some kind of, um, some kind of, some kind of punishment, some kind of ban levied. And I think so too. What my take is like yeah there should be some sort of punishment doled out you know the fact this is a self-report does does make it like almost more credible you know like it's not someone throwing an accusation this is someone saying i did this hopefully not under duress i suppose (laughs) but but making the assumption that because this was a willing tweet which he expanded on later this is probably completely of free will um you know, the guilt weighing on conscience, so to speak. And I do think there's, you know, I think it would be fair game for some punishment to be levied. I don't necessarily have any strong opinions about whether that should be six months or the full season. I'm kind of the opinion if you get banned, you should not be able to go to Worlds that season. So um, I'm kind of a full season type of guy, but I don't really, you know, I wouldn't feel strongly if it wasn't type of thing. Yeah. Um, What I'm also curious about is Pokemon has somewhat silently taken the stance that they're not acting upon at least hearsay cheating, Um, right? Like, Zach Cooper, an infamous example where he had been caught multiple times with at least gameplay errors and DQ'd from multiple tournaments, but ultimately was not banned. Uh, We had the recent Isaiah Bradner situation, which regardless of where you fall on that, there was no ban bowled out for it as well as the the other player that was caught uh stacking his deck during the stream rounds at baltimore and ultimately none of those actually resulted in punishment do you think pokemon will take a different stance on sort of their lack of action towards cheating in the event that it is you know a self-admitted instance yeah it's tough it's it's like i don't know where to where to fall on this. And I, I don't think I'm going to be like a very, um, in this case, just because it's so 
unusual and new. I don't think I'm going to be a very good kind of judge of this. Not that I, not that I have any say in it whatsoever anyway, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, it just is, is, is very unusual. And, 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 you know, you, I think as a company, you want to uphold integrity to the best that you can. And, you know, you want to give people the benefit of the doubt, which is, I think what has happened, um, you know, in, in the more publicized, uh, cheating scandals of the last couple tournaments. But I think in this case, since it was malicious and, you know, done and there, there's no reasonable doubt that it wasn't malicious, right. If you're going to self-report like that, um, yeah, again, like, something has to be done. Uh, I, I, I do think a ban is, is appropriate. Again, it, it was something that was done intentionally. Um, and that's shouldn't be tolerated. Now, I don't necessarily think we should, you know, make Nick like make an example out of Nick. Like I'm not <laughs> saying like crucify Nick, you know, and, you know, he needs to, he needs to go down in flames, like lifetime ban. I, I don't necessarily think that's appropriate, but Th- something, I do. Something should be happening. We got to okay. get okay. rid of All him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think like max a year is, is fine. Um, but I am still a little curious if Pokemon will actually take action. And here's maybe some justification for why they wouldn't, right? So in a post-Jiao Jiao world where you can now get sued for, uh, for banning someone from the game, Obviously, Nick is self-admitting, but what if, for example, his account was hacked and someone was trying to take advantage of him and and get him banned? What if his what if he was under a situation of duress where someone was threatening him that you got to say that you cheated or mm-hmm. else I'm going to do some horrible thing? Mm-hmm. Um, it feels really difficult for Pokemon if they're worried about just banning people in general for potential repercussions it feels like even a self-admission of guilt is still maybe not enough if that's what they're worried about because Mm -hmm. you could still spin that around and say oh this is completely misrepresented blah 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 blah. right right yeah i hadn't thought about that (laughs) that that's kind of what's been going through my head like as you were talking is well can they still do anything if they won't for other stuff I'm actually really glad that you brought that up because, yeah, that, you know, I mean, again, that's what makes it so gnarly, right? It's like you weren't caught in the act and there was no punishment levied at the event. So is it kind of a a thing where, you know, hands are tied, you know, they kind of every tournament is kind of locked in this vault and there's no kind of uh, retributive action that happens to players outside, you know, that that maybe had cheated an event but weren't caught in that event, like in, in that you know, is kind of just sealed away and, and, you know, that event is in the past and nothing can be done retroactively. I, I don't know. That's just so interesting that you bring up that point of view because I hadn't thought about that at all. Well, it brings up also kind of an interesting other side of this where you have folks like Jay Lesage on the ban list. And frankly, I think Jay did deserve to be banned. He advocated for cheating in a publicized article, but also, is his situation truly much different from from Nick's right now, right? And so right. if they won't right. ban Nick, is it justified to ban people like Jay? Right. You know, what does Pokemon intend for the ban list to be? Is it supposed right. to be people who are you know, simply not allowed to play in the game for a duration of time, either because of cheating or misconduct? Or is it really just to be like the do not fly list, like the absolute, like, unacceptable level of people at a tournament like the gave smarts of the world you know what is the intent of this list in the first place (laughs) that's you know classic question i think there's been more and more transparency from organizers and the company in general over the years but certainly there are still some things that are enigmas and this i think will continue to be one of them because like you said you know there's there's people players that i think a lot of the community is like why aren't they on there? And then there are some players, you know, maybe perhaps dare I even say like a, like a Gina Lombardi. <laughs> dare I say it? I, I not, not how that, many of our listeners actually even know about Gina Lombardi? Well, that, you know, that could be a fun, we have a little bit of downtime. That could be some, you know, Pokemon lore 
Uh, so let us know if you want to hear some some stories from the past. And and I'm not saying that he should be unbanned. I'm just saying that there might be people that would think that okay, you know, a, a Gino, a J, um, you know, maybe very have similar group time. of people who thinks that <laughs> both of those people should be unbanned. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Okay, I'm I'm not commenting on that. I'm just saying, like, you know, there there might be a a, a lessening of the harshness of the viewpoint on those players. Yeah, um, I I mean, I agree. That's the point that I was making as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So. <laughs> I I just I, I don't know, and I don't know what Pokemon really intends for this list to be. Um, it's just a really bizarre situation, right? Like, what what is going on? You know, because at the same time, you could also make the argument like. If someone like a Gabe is going to be banned, justifiably so, in my opinion, why wasn't like Jack Eiler banned for a very public theft and admission of it? Um, you know, it's where are they really drawing the lines anymore? Is just a really well unanswerable I, question. I, I mean, I, I understand. I understand what you're about to say. I'm not going to comment <laughs> on it, but you could still make the argument like, oh, they committed crimes in Pokemon tournaments, like, and also other people have been banned for stealing, right? So, yeah. It's just like the lines are so murky and it feels like it's just completely unknowable to anybody who isn't in the direct space that works on it. Yes. I would love facts. Facts, dude. (laughs) I would really like if Pokemon had something more like what some other games do where they actually publicize like, Hey, here's the addition to the list and here's why. Mm -hmm. I think that would be really healthy in my opinion, but I understand why they don't. Um, so, you know, it is what it is, I guess. And the game will persist. I think one thing that we should not do, though, as a community is for folks like Nick who are coming forward and trying to right the past wrongs that they have committed. We shouldn't, as a community, try and just tar and feather them to death either. Do I yeah. think a ban is justified for Nick? Yes, if Pokemon does not dole that out, do I think he should be harassed out of the venue or like not allowed to play uh, just because the player base won't accept him? No, at the same time, no. Um, as long as he continues to demonstrate that he is trying to do the right thing and playing clean, you know, it's not up to us as a community to harass someone who's trying to be better out of it. Yeah, I mean, I think you have, you know, players that maybe have misstepped in the past and then, you know, maybe have said that they're trying to be better. Uh, and then fallen into, you know, we see kind of similar conduct from But them. you got to give them the chance, right? Yeah, I, I do think there's something admirable about coming forward, albeit, you know, coming the forward. The weirdest part was the coming forward and then saying that he was about to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, you know, if you're thinking about uh, exposing yourself for cheating allegations, probably try, you know, to leave it kind of in the past to something that happened in the past. <laughs> Don't make it. <laughs> Don't bring not it like up a again. current issue, <laughs> a recurring current issue. Yeah. Listen, listen. You know, there there's something to be said for that. I'm sure his conscience, at the very least, is uh, much more clear. And that you know, the mental health aspect of this whole thing is something that we really didn't touch on. But if you know, if that's gonna allow you to sleep at night, then by all means, uh, you know, it seems like a net positive. So. I agree. I think if you take away anything from this. I stand by all my previous statements about just play as clean as you possibly freaking can. You know, make your actions super clear. Play a 60-card deck list that you submitted to the tournament and not a different 60 cards. Have Make sure your sleeves are up to snuff every round and make sure your opponent is following the same standards that you are. Um, I'm very methodical when I play, or at least I like to think that I am. I announce exactly how many cards i'm drawing off of genesect and what hand size i will end at once i've drawn them mm-hmm. um and i'm very methodical about tilting my pokemon i ask my pokemon to do this my opponents to do the same um it, as a community in a tabletop game integrity is a huge part of what will ultimately mean long-term success if we, there's no integrity in a game like this then it's effectively meaningless because it's all reliant on the trust between the players that were playing the same honest game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So play clean, hold your opponents accountable to playing clean, and don't be afraid to call yourself out if something is wrong as well. At the same time, do not let your opponents make mistakes, genuine mistakes, uh, 
without you intervening as well. You know, if you notice your opponent's about to draw an extra card, it is your responsibility in the same way that you shouldn't draw an extra card. It is your responsibility to try and prevent that from happening. That That is an under-discussed topic, I think. Um, certainly certainly on our cast, but yeah, the, the maintaining the game state um, on your opponent's side of the field. You know, it's obviously things can slip through the cracks and, and you're yeah. ultimately not responsible for how your opponent plays. But, um, you know, there can be some malicious intent to, you know, oh, you're seeing that your opponent's doing an illegal action. Or and, like about to. And allowing it to go too far and become irreversible and oh, all of a sudden you're able to take advantage of that. I mean, there is something to be said for, um, n- you know, n- not allowing that to happen, you know, keeping up with your opponent's uh, plays and, and, and making sure that, that they themselves are not cheating themselves out of the game. Absolutely. Integrity. That's the takeaway for today. Integrity. <sighs> so what true, is, dude. What does our world come to, you know? So true, man. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so stay honest, play clean, and buy our merch at shop. So true. You can find our <laughs> long sleeve tees with tag team podcast on the side, the slick new logo, the back <laughs> Total art. Not like scumbag transition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, it, it's really nice. So, uh, you know, Christmas is coming up. Um, you want to treat the homie to a nice long sleeve tee for the winter time. All you Northern Hemisphere people, you know what I'm talking about. Winters can get a little bit cold. Head on over to flexdaddy.card slash shop. Get yourself a little merchy merch. And if you're interested in following us on social media, you can find us most likely on Twitter. Uh, you can find myself at Smiles with Riles. You can find JW at Real John Walter. And you can find the podcast itself at Tag Team Pokemon. And if you're really invested and want to hear us live every single week, we record on Wednesdays at twitch.tv slash Munner. And JW also has a Twitch channel of his own, which not only do we occasionally record on, but he streams on regularly at twitch.tv slash FlexDaddyRighteous. We appreciate every single one of you for your listenership and support. It's been awesome being back at real life events and getting to meet some of you in person. You all are seriously some of the best fan community I've ever seen. You're amazing. Look forward to continue seeing you at events in the future. Looking forward to Toronto. And with that, we will catch you next time. Peace. See ya.